summon that conviction, that emotion that brought you into the path, that measure of conviction about something that you could not yet perceive but you were convinced of its existence to the point that it brought you to where you are to the point where you can, you can say you are on the path so summon that emotion summon that conviction let it infuse your whole being the way it did that first time let it become a passionate determination let the energy of this determination infuse your body let it infuse your breath and mind so that your body by its own intelligence brings itself into a place that is conducive to achieving the aim of your determination it becomes naturally conducive to meditation all you have to do is just observe the body settling into that space feel the determination in the legs awakening and summoning each cell to conform so the leg become naturally comfortable adopting a posture that is stable feel this energy in the hands elbows, shoulders, naturally they know what posture to adopt that is conducive to meditation because meditation is needed to achieve the objective of your determination. at the back, naturally straight, comfortable, giving you a sense of unshakability. A sense of confidence about your endeavor. naturally centered so you don't need to consciously hold them in place mouth, teeth, tongue resting in their natural places the teeth are not clenched the jaws are not too loose the tip of the tongue touching slightly the back part of the upper teeth that sense of calmness, that sense of ease descending upon the body and surrender to it 
let your mind rest in that sense of ease. Eyes conducive to meditation. For you, closing them might be what is conducive. Perhaps opening them or leaving them half open. Whichever is conducive for you, adopt that posture for the eyes. And spend a few seconds observing the sense of ease that has descended in the body. Notice how it is growing more and more profound. And feel it reflected in the breath. And without trying to force the mind to focus on the breath, with no intention to control the rhythm of the breath, you're not even concerned about what to do concerning distractions. Gently bring your attention to the breath, knowing that you're breathing out as you breathe out, knowing that you're breathing in as you breathe in. Staying aware of the breath in this way, gently bring your attention back to the breath, to the body, just scanning the posture, feeling the sense of ease settled in the legs, and pay attention to whatever signal any part of the body may be communicating to you. Perhaps you need to make some slight adjustments so the sense of ease, the sense of conduciveness may be firmer and more stable. And without removing your attention too much from the breath, make the necessary adjustments. sense of ease, being deeper is your indication that you are adopting the proper posture. And go back to just observing the breath. As you breathe out, just know you are breathing out. No matter what else is going on with the mind, whether whatever else you are aware of, don't try to chase them, don't try to block them. Your only concern is, I am, am I aware of the breath? Am I aware that I'm breathing out while you're breathing out? Am I aware that I'm breathing in as I'm breathing in?
mindfulness or the sense of ease somewhere in the background. Bring your attention to the flow of your awareness itself as it follows the breath. From out-breath to in-breath to out-breath. And have a secondary intention to keep the continuity of this awareness on the breath unbroken while you follow 21 cycles of breath. If the continuity gets broken, go back again to the, to the beginning and observe the breath with the intention of maintaining the continuity of awareness unbroken.
sense of ease, how it is reflected in the breath, how it is further reflected in the mind itself, and have the intention to continue to experience this ever-deepening sense of calmness, this ever-sense of ease. And while within this sense of calmness, this sense of ease, bring your attention to the space in front of you, at the level of your eyebrows, about an arm's length or a prostration's distance from you. While focusing in that space, again bring back that passionate determination. Make Make the goal that you're aspiring to achieve appear as clearly as you can make it. And in that space, summon, invoke the means that will help you achieve this goal. The infallible means that will help you achieve it. Feel yourself in the presence of your infallible guide. Appearing in a form taken specifically to inspire you, to guide you. See that form bathed or made entirely of light. Finding that measure of conviction 
that this is truly your personal infallible means to achieve your goal by relying on this guide you are definite to reach your goal holding on to that measure of conviction show your reverence in your mind prostrate Still holding on to that measure of conviction that you are in the very presence of what will help you finally achieve your highest aspirations. Entrust yourself, take refuge, place yourself under its under the guide's protection, the guide's guidance. reverence and gratitude to demonstrate your gratitude make offerings think of the things that makes you happy that you own and offer them think of the things that no one owns that makes you happy and offer them also offer the things that exist only in your imagination feeling that great sense of gratitude finally you are going to achieve your goal your guide is present of dysfunctional guilt admit your faults admit the actions committed under their influence be clear that they are the very cause of the obstacles you're experiencing have experienced and will experience in the future and having an intelligent sense of regret and also knowing that you only were able to allow yourself to come under their influence due to the energy of habit. Since this energy is still with you, you need to rely on something outside this habit. 
So again, turn your attention to your infallible guide and entrust yourself. Take refuge. Place yourself under your guide's protection, guidance, and strength. to restraint in the future according to your capacity think of a definite period of time where you will exercise restraint for that moment period of time you will not allow yourself to be completely taken over by the habit and still riding on that measure of refuge and strength. Make a promise to do something to make up. Something that has a little bit of difficulty for you to do. And yet that it, you have the capacity to do. That is a benefit in some form or another to others. sense of relief, whatever that measure may be, let it, let it be your resting place for your mind, and with that, let your mind take great joy in goodness, in whatever measure it exists, in whatever measure it has been demonstrated, either from within you or that you've witnessed in others, or even just heard about. The goodness demonstrated by those trapped in samsara. Those who are perfectly free, rejoice in their act of goodness. that they are forced to endure, the happiness that keeps eluding them, 
let that compassion and love come out of your heart let it embrace them and with this as a motivation turn your attention again to your infallible guide you have for all beings you see that through the teacher you are actually in connection with every single enlightened being and out of this revelation you quickly consider the plight of beings and you ask these enlightened beings to please teach sentient beings how to truly end their pains teach them how to find true happiness come into their lives, be their personal teachers and guide them. Be aware of the state of your mind. object of your determination, the reason why you're sitting now, the reason for this very meditation. Recall what you've done so far since you've sat down, correcting your motivation and everything else. And dedicate the power of what you've done, of this merit, to help you succeed in the meditation that you're about to do. to come to the crown of your head and feel that bright presence now right above your head and see a stream of nectar made of light descending from the teacher's heart entering you through the crown of your head while you beg for blessings so you can be free of whatever obstacles you've encountered so far so you can gain the realizations that you seek.
infallible means to achieve your goal is right above your head. Not in some distant abstract dimension. Not in some far away future. But present right now. As you breathe. As you are sitting. The infallible means to help you achieve your goal is present. wishing to become inseparable, whatever that term may mean to you. And let that aspiration grow stronger and stronger within you, until the very power of that aspiration brings the realization that the teacher also aspires to be inseparable with you. By the power of this realization, see the teacher dissolve into a point of light. See and feel this point of light descend through the crown of your head, enter into your heart center, there merging with your mind, becoming inseparable. hold on to it with affirmation. attention back to your breath. Staying aware of the breath, slowly become aware of the body again.
everyone. Welcome. Okay. Uh, so we're going to stay with the first verse a little bit longer. We might touch a little bit on the second verse today. Uh, and just a little talk perhaps on on uh, uh, I guess getting you enthusiastic about this practice. Okay. Mm. I thought of uh, perhaps uh, and last time we met I talked about this like an exercise for you to do when you meet someone, when you encounter someone either in the subway or wherever you encounter someone and at least in your mind, at least in words to say, in yourself, to say to yourself, may this person be happy, may this person be free from suffering and you don't have to worry about whether or not there's an actual emotion uh, that actually, that this is being expressed by some actual emotion but just say the words in your mind, okay? And unfortunately, uh, the habit of selfishness, the habit of, of uh, thinking that what be- uh, what's actually beneficial is for me to be, uh, for, for one person to be selfish, for one person to put the, the wall of anger as a god rather than, uh, 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 rather than greet someone with expecting to love them or expecting for them uh, to, to greet them with a compassion. Unfortunately, this habit is very strong. So it will, it will, uh, it will challenge you. It will ask you, what's in it for you to love this person? What's in it for you to have compassion for this person? What are you going? What are you going to get out of it? Okay. And now you have to address this. You cannot just brush it aside. You have to prove to yourself that it is actually something of benefit. In the beginning, you will need this, but later on, once you become uh, uh, a student of the path of love, that sounds so cute. <laughs> Once you become a, 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 a seasoned student of, of love, then later on you don't care about wh- what you're going to get from it because you're so habituated to, to, to that already. You already are enjoying the benefits that come from it, but you don't care about it. But in the beginning, just to offset the power, the influence that the, the habit of selfishness has upon you, you have to prove, you have to show, demonstrate that there is actual benefit in this. Because the reason that, your mind, that we are stuck to the habit, the reason that we continue to perpetuate it, is because somewhere within us we are convinced we are going to get some benefit out of it. Okay. So you have to demonstrate. And this is where it might get scary. Okay. Now, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people who are interested in this path because we think it's, oh, it's an ideal thing, it's a nice thing, it would be wonderful if it was, you know, it would be wonderful if everyone else could do it, then I could do it. If everyone else was loving everybody, then, I'll, then I can trust this thing and then and start loving, okay? But if everyone else is not doing it, I gotta protect myself, okay? And because of this degree of conviction that we have, we think of love as you know, it's, some, it's a nice thing, and it it's definitely has no power. Well, if it has a little power, it has a little power to, to make your mind feel good. 
but in the actual practical world, it's it's really foolish, it's really childish to actually act out of it, to make it the, the motivation for your actions. We are convinced, uh, we are convinced uh, of this, even though we, we may not be convinced uh, of it from when we when when we talk, when we when we are in intellectualizing, but from deep from the core of our being, what motivates us to actually act. It's because we are convinced, at some level, that this is the truth. Love is, is a weakness. Love is a, a when once you even try to to practice it for some time. I mean, actively practicing it. Everyone you encounter, you want to consciously encounter them with with from a point of love. When we try this practice, we say, okay, we'll try it. What you're really telling yourself, I'll prove to myself that it's weak. And we approach it with the idea that love is really a practice of being a doormat. Let me practice being a doormat for a while. And of course you're going to prove to yourself that it's weak. Who wants to be a doormat? And I can tell you, the practice of being a doormat is not for you. Okay, It's for very high beings. So, since we don't have the power to practice being a doormat, don't try it. <laughs> okay. Don't approach the practice, this practice as, oh, this is the practice of being a doormat. Approach it as, from the point of view of, of, of trying to satisfy the, the, selfish, the selfish tendency. This is the way to truly get what I want. This is the way to truly satisfy my selfish interests. And you, if you really analyze, either politically, either historically, either uh, personally, in whatever field of endeavor, whoever or whatever has submitted, has uh, worshipped anger, anger has never promised, has never delivered what it promised. In fact, it has only given the opposite. Anger promises you uh, happiness, and in fact, what it truly delivers is the opposite of that. It delivers more misery. The misery that it promises you to, to, to give you a relief from, it gives you more of that misery. So far, it hasn't delivered anything other than that. And yet, we keep worshipping anger, we keep taking anger as our highest guru, we keep thinking that if I act, if if the if I act out of anger, then I will get what I want. Or we can uh, the da the most dangerous victims of, of anger are, are those who are who think that then they begin with that doormat attitude, and they think love is a, being a doormat. And you, you know, you, you wake up from bed and you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna mind my business. I'm not, I don't have any intention to harm anybody. And because I don't have any intention to harm anybody, if anyone harms me, then I am right to be angry. Then I am right 
to act out of anger because I, I, the person invoked it. The person asked for it. So the person deserves it. Okay. And what are we doing there? We are making anger our highest guru. We are making anger our, the object of our worship. The one whose guidance we follow. And all the thought that you had in the beginning, I'm um, really a person of love, but when that, person, when that, term, when that, when that situation comes that tests your love, you, 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 instead we rely on anger instead. We go, to, we go for refuge to anger. Okay. And so far, you're not, yet, you're not yet enlightened. You're not living in paradise. You're not in nirvana. So maybe anger doesn't really know your best interests. So, what keeps us going back to anger is misunderstanding what it means to, to act out of love. It's not the action that you're concerned about. It's what motivates the action. The action can, can look to be very similar to the action that love takes. But the result will be different because of the motivation. Okay, and of course, there is a, there are, uh, there is a, there, there is deep within us a sincere wish and sincere aspiration to really give love a try, to really give love a chance. Okay, and because we are so used to certain actions being guided by anger, we feel that we don't really know what the right action is. We don't really know what, what action is really an action of love. It's very simple. An action motivated by love is what defines an action of love. And just to please that sense of uh, righteousness that is within us, what about those people who really deserve this or that because of the, because of the injustice that they are spreading in the world? For as long as we know of civilization, or, the, or trying to get to be civilized, there have been people who've been behaved completely uh, in a way that being uh, that has been un unjust, uh, unjust, ah, unjust. They have been cruel, and so far, reacting towards them out of anger has not removed those kinds of people from the planet. They are still around. So perhaps dealing with them out of the motivation, out of uh, the motivation of anger, doesn't solve the problem. Now, and someone might say, "What about such and such an evil uh, uh, example of a person? Wasn't killing that person the right thing to do? It's not killing the person that's the, that, that, that's, that that is being discussed. It's what mo was the motivation." behind that. Perhaps killing the person was the right thing to do. But if it's motivated by anger, all you're doing is making it worse. And then you ask yourself, then, th then there's a sense of, ah, alright, I can still slap people around. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it, it, I, I know that's, that's the right thing to do. At times. People deserve to be slapped around. 
And when you hear that, oh yeah, killing could be the right thing, then you feel a sense of satisfaction. Okay, now I can give this love a try. It's practical. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing, you have to be truly motivated by love. And when you're truly motivated by love, you will know what's the right thing, what's the right thing to do at that time. You don't have to worry about the, your stock of knowledge right now, or oh, this is what I do in this situation, what I do in this situation. Mo- truly be motivated by love, you will be guided as to what is the right action, what is, what is the right thing to do then. If you have any sense of this is revenge, this person deserves it, this person has to suffer, you, you're, you've lost. You're just repeating the cycle that's been there already. So, practically speaking, to address that sense of, okay, yeah, love is good, you know, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that lives in the ideal world. It's not something you can put here in practice. Just having the, in, the intention is the first step. Just having the intention. Okay? It's just words in my mind. I want to be able to act out of love rather than out of anger. I want my actions. I want, the, I want to react... I want the way I relate to sentient beings to be, do, to be from only two sentiments. Either out of love or out of compassion for them. With no other sentiment. If you find yourself relating with someone and it's not one of those uh, uh, sentiments, then go back and at least bring those into your mind just in words even, if not, if not actual feelings. And that's how you, that's how you train yourself. To, that's how you wean yourself out of depending on anger to guide your, guide your actions. Then, when you encounter someone, here is the test for, your, for, for, the, for the selfish self-interest. You see someone on, 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 on the subway or on the bus who seems to be in pain of some sort. Somehow, some, something in you tells you that this person is experiencing some sort of pain. Whatever, whatever it may be, it could be a financial baby. <laughs> you kind of rare to find someone like that, right? <laughs> so you find, you see someone, you, you see that there's some degree of pain in them. You say, oh, this person is experiencing pain. You don't have to, you know, the way to exercise love, the way to start your, to to strengthen that power. You don't have to go to that person and know exactly what that person needs and have it and be able to give it to them. And now, or now you're practicing love. That's not necessarily what it is. How you do it. If, but with practice, eventually you will know and you will have the means to be able to do that. But in the beginning, all you have to do is just look at that person and just wish that they be happy. Wish that, and, and let that wishing be sincere in your heart. Truly wish, uh, I really wish that person to be happy. You don't have to worry about that, that level of, sense of that wishing to be sincere or not because you don't know the person. The person wasn't somebody who mugged you the, the other day so you don't have to fight with anger toward that person. It's a complete, no, complete nobody for you. So you can at least have that uh, uh, sentiment for that moment. And really s- and s- and say it. I really wish that person to be happy. I really wish that person to be happy. And really wish it. I really wish that person to be free from whatever suffering that they're going through. At least today, may that person experience some level of happiness that seems to come from nowhere. And of course, you're not going to have any feedback. You're not going to see that person again. You're not going to meet that person the next day and say, oh, by the way, did you have a little piece of happiness that <laughs> seemed to come from nowhere? You're not going to be able to do that. 
So that selfishness, selfish self is going to say, <laughs> how is that proof? So, say, by the power of whatever measure of love I was able to demonstrate today, may I myself find some happiness that seems to come from nowhere. Okay? That's, what th- that's the exercise you're going to uh, practice. You see somebody, and you don't, have to, you don't have to do it all day. Oh, where's another one? Okay, there's another one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, have, have to do that. Just find one person. If you can get two, that's good. If you get more. But it has to be genuine sense of, may that person be happy. And really sense it. And then just to satisfy the sense of selfishness, that this is actual power that you're exercising, that you're, de- that you're demonstrating, say, may I today, at least today, get some, sen- get some happiness that seems to come from nowhere. Okay? And may I be relieved also of some suffering, at least today, that, seems to come, that really seems to come from nowhere. Because that's your, your test for out of meditation. All right. Uh, Dagni semchen tamchela yishin nobul lilakhe tanchok to the sambai taktu chepon zimbar shok. That's the first verse. The second verse. Kandusu dong dope se dagni kunle mentashin. So they both end almost with the same way, except one of them, the first one says, May I always cherish beings. May I always cherish them. That means in whatever situation you encounter a sentient being, whatever they're doing to you may, you, may you have a sense of cherishing them. And the second verse, after you've developed a sense, a true sense of cherishing for anyone, for everyone, then naturally, the, second, the sentiment of the second verse will rise within you and you have to strengthen it. It's to supremely cherish them. That's, what the, how, that's how it ends. The, ones, the first one say always, the second one say supremely cherish them. But in what way, from the depth of your heart, you have to ch- supremely cherish them? And in what way to see yourself as their servant? If you truly see sentient beings as your wish-fulfilling jewel, you will supremely cherish them. When you see someone as, when you're convinced, this person is going to help my career and your career is very important to you, you will make yourself the servant of that person. You will make sure this person is happy. You will make sure that you will not be a cause of suffering for that person. It will come natural to you. Okay, because you're convinced this person is your wish-fulfilling jewel. Now, if you, belie- if you have this level of conviction with every being you encounter, you begin with all those that it's easy for you to make that, uh, uh, have the attitude for. Then you expand it to include all human beings. Then, you're able, then if you're able to include this, to make this to include even those kinds of beings that you used to not like, just because of who they are, you know, mosquitoes, <laughs> roaches, and don't worry about now if you have a sense of just because you hear their name, all of, all of a sudden your mind is you know, trying to wants to run away from this room because the, the sound of their name is in the same space as you are. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> slowly and slowly you will eventually be able to include them as 
sentient beings that needs to be cherished. Because you see those beings as the same way you are convinced that that person is going to help you with your career, which is so important to you. Or that person is going to help you get whatever you, you want to get that is, seems to be so important for you to get. Okay? And when you see that, that how sentient beings are, your, are truly your wish-fulfilling jewel, and by the way, they are your wish-fulfilling jewel now. <laughs> Not that you're going to make them into your wish-fulfilling jewel. By treating them nicely, they're going to give you something that you want. They are already your wish-fulfilling jewel. And how do you interact with this wish-fulfilling jewel? How do you, you know, the, the Aladdin lamps, you have to rub it, and then that's how you interact with it, and it gives you your, 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 what you want? By the very way you interact with them or it's not even that just react just interacting with them is rubbing the lamp and sometimes you may rub the lamp the, lamp the wrong way and you get something that you don't want so if you interact with them in a way that well if you get something that you don't want that tells you that you rub you, you rub the, the, the wishing jewel the wrong way. Okay? That's your indication. Because whatever you have, it came f- that's the only place where it came from. It came from the, your interaction with sentient beings. Okay? They are extremely important. Uh, it reminds me now uh, uh, of a verse from Tao Te Ching, I think. I don't know where it's coming from. Wait, is it really from Tao Te Ching? Well, you know how I am about quoting um, perfectly, so it's just paraphrasing. <laughs> uh, uh, the, you know, Tao Te Ching always talks about the purpose, perfect person as being the sage. So when the, when the sage is interacting with others, the sage interacts with others as though he's walking on, uh, on, on eggshells. Very careful. Very, very careful because your interaction will definitely bring a result. Not maybe, definitely will bring a result. And since, and for the most part, we don't like pain, that's not something that we want to come, that's not the result we would like to get from that. And it might get you that result, depending on how you rub the lamp, the, jewel, the, the, the wish of feeling jewel. Okay? So be very careful how you interact with sentient beings. If fear is your motivating factor, that's the highest object of, of, for you to fear. <coughs> don't worry about, don't worry, don't fear the Buddhas. They love you. <laughs> you spit on them, they want, they, they, they want to, they'll give you uh, uh, whatever will make you happy. <laughs> Devadatta tried to kill the Buddha several, several, several times. And the Buddha never loved, never lost love for him. And uh, I think Ananda was, you know, sort of testing that. Even at the, at the level of Ananda, he was still questioning, uh, you know, the power of love, the, the steadiness of love. Uh, well, at least for, for our for our own teaching, at least. Where, say, so what about what about Devadatta, who tried to kill you, still trying to kill you, and hated your guts from from day one? How do you feel about him? And the Buddha said, if my love for Devadatta is not equal to my love that I have for you or anyone else, may such and such and such happen. 
then it and and but and through the power of the uh, the word of the Buddha, it, it 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 was it was demonstrated that the Buddha never lost love, even for a moment. Not, it's not like he loved Devadatta a little bit less because Devadatta was out to kill him. His love for Devadatta was equal to the person who was you know worshiping him. Okay, so the highest the object that you should fear the most are uh, uh, not the Buddhas because no, they're so high. It's sentient beings. Because you, how you interact with them will definitely give you a result. And the result may not be what you want. <laughs> okay. And if fear, is, if fear is naturally your motivator, and if fear is not your naturally your motivator, you can think of that as, as that guy who, who can give you, who can make your career no, skyrocket, and you're convinced about it. Think about it. Think about sentient beings that way. And this will sort of uh, placate that that selfish tendency within us, or what's in it for me kind of thing. Okay, what's in it for me? Okay. All right. Ah. Uh. So. Your work, your job is not really, <laughs> your homework is not really uh, for just for to, just in this meditation, but what you do after you leave this room. <coughs> Whenever you encounter someone and you remember, remember, oh, that's a sentient being. And remember, ah, a sentient being. What am I supposed to do with this kind of thing? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this phenomena? <laughs> and and do that, do that test, okay? Encounter someone and see. Oh, that person seems to be in in, in need of, of of you 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 feel that you can uh, person need something. Person is suffering somewhere and make and make that wish for that person. And then to prove to yourself that it's work, make that wish for yourself by the power of that. Okay. All right. I hope I we get to see students next class. <laughs> That thing didn't work. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're gonna meditate uh, for a little bit, either to review, so your mind can get accustomed to it. So when you, when you walk out, you, do, you don't forget it. You don't leave it here. You don't take it out with you. Or try to develop that sense of cherishing that builds up into becoming really joyfully seeing yourself as a servant of all beings. meditation you were in, either a sense of calmness or sense of ease, <coughs> physically or mentally, recall it as vividly as you can so it can infuse your present state, so you can get to that state quick, faster, and as soon as you start feeling some degree of that sense of ease, that's state of mind, 
we scan the posture legs, hands, elbows, shoulders, your back, head and neck. Mouth, teeth, tongue, eyes. Feeling some measure of that sense of ease to stabilize it. Bring your attention to your heart center. If your thinking is within your heart center. And from there, observe five cycles of breath.
state of your mind. From within that state, make strong wishes to all beings everywhere to be happy. That they may be free from their pains. to the achievement of your ultimate goal. attention back to your breath. Staying aware of your breath, slowly become aware of the body, starting with the top of the head and become aware of the rest of your body, slowly up to your toes. doing this exercise by the way <laughs> if the person is walking don't say please hold it um, I can't do this while you walk while you're running <laughs> 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 and don't stare at the person in the train or <laughs> stare at them excuse me I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> do it discreetly <laughs> thank you